bow our heads for prayer. Lord, we are so thankful that we can gather today in this house. We're thankful for your presence here and for your word that has been revealed to us. We continue to seek to learn more from your word. We pray that you would bless Brother Mel this morning in the message that he has prepared. May you give him strength, understanding, courage to share what you've laid upon his heart and what is what he has prepared. May we be able to receive it and apply it to our lives and to, to learn as we go from here to walk closer to you. Just pray your blessing upon us and your hand of protection over us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Greetings in Jesus' name to each one. Welcome to each one here. It's good to see a few visitors who have chosen to worship with us. We're glad you're here. This is a this is a special day, especially for our nation, our country. There's a lot about freedom this weekend. Of course, we're celebrating Independence Day. So that's fitting and appropriate and to be expected. The sermon, well, my title, uh, my title of my sermon is The Path to Freedom. Now, I tend to choose my sermon titles rather carefully. Um, you know, we'd like to think that you don't judge a book by its cover, but I think we all do, right? I think we all do. And I think maybe the same may be true for uh, the sermon title. But when I think about this, The Path to Freedom, even... I, I thought, debated there, a path to freedom? No, not a path. I think we have the path. And, and I think you'll see as we get into this, the path to freedom. And I'm not thinking about the freedom that our country is celebrating today. I'm thinking beyond that. More uh, having to do with our, our mind and our inner spirits. That type of a freedom. And I'd like to, I'd like to look at that as we, as we think of this um, freedom that is ours. You know, what is freedom? I, of course, looked it up in the dictionary. It says the state of being free. Well, yeah, of course. But then it has like eight or nine different uh, definitions beyond that, a little more specifics. Now, I'm going to give a few and focus on, I uh, uh, want to focus on some of these. The absence of necessity, coercion, or constraint. That was one that was given. Liberation from slavery or from the power of another. And that's, of course, what our country is, is celebrating. Another one was unrestricted use. And like I said, that's just a few of them, and there's, there's quite a few that were given. But when we think of, of um, freedom, of course, that's the big emphasis this weekend. July 4th is celebrated as a national holiday, when on that day in 1776, Congress unanimously approved a document that declared independence from Great Britain. That meant that the 13 American colonies were no longer subject to the monarch of Britain, King George III, and were now united, free, and independent states, or the USA. I imagine this was a big step and a bold move for our, the founders of our country, and yet here we are still, as a nation, 245 years later, still celebrating this. But you know, we as believers also have an Independence Day to celebrate. And I'd like to 
focus a little more on that. It happened about 2,000 years ago when our leader declared independence over sin and death. <clears throat> when Jesus arose from the grave, he declared himself and his followers as no longer being subject to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. And I'd like to, again, as we look at this, remind us of these liberties that are ours to claim and to live by. Now, one little catch to that, these liberties are granted only to the citizens of his kingdom. And uh, we talked a little bit about that in Sunday school. We'll get into it a little bit later. So with, with that, with those thoughts, let's turn to John 8 for an opening text. John 8 is a, a long chapter. I think there's 59 verses recorded. Yeah, 59 verses that this conversation that Jesus had with the scribes and Pharisees, and he has a lot to do with this subject, freedom. But, uh, again, they were in a different mindset. Um, they were sort of banking on their lineage, their heritage, their, their ancestral heritage to, to uh, Abraham, and some of the privileges, the liberties that were theirs because of that. But let's read John 8. I'm going to read verses 25 through 38. <clears throat> then say unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus said unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake those words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever commits sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. And I know that you are Abram's seed, but ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. <clears throat> I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. And so he goes on and on, uh, again, back and forth about their, their heritage, their link to Abraham, <clears throat> and some of the privileges that are granted to them because of that in their mind and in their culture. But Jesus spoke a different type of freedom to them, and um, uh, well, it says some believed, but some did not. Some couldn't quite get past the here and now. But I'd like to look at some of these um, liberties, if you will, privileges that are granted to citizens of his kingdom. And I'm thinking, first of all, of the Freedom of the mind. Uh, turn with me to Philippians 2. Philippians 2 gives us a bit of an insight to the 
mind of Christ. And it speaks specifically of that. Um, Philippians 2 is, is um, just gives us a bit of a, um, a brief rundown of who Jesus was and maybe how he thought and through that how he conducted his life. Philippians 2, begin reading in verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in a form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and it took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. <clears throat> and we could continue on, but I think we'll start. We'll stop with that. But um, this gives a bit of a description of the mind of Christ, as the uh, challenge is given to us there in verse five. Let this mind be in you. You know, even though he was not, even though he was God, he did not use his position in the Godhead to his advantage, but rather gave up his reputation and took on him the nature of a slave and appeared as a man. Think at a time when Jesus could have used his power as God to his advantage. There's many cases that we could think of when Jesus could have, for his own selfish benefit, used his power as part of the Godhead to his advantage. And I'm thinking especially of the time when he was before Pilate on trial. It's very unfair, illegal, rigged trial. Jesus could have very well used his power to his advantage. In fact, he even told Pilate, I have a host of angels that could deliver me from you right here and now. He could have. And, and there's many others. But Jesus didn't do that. He chose not to. When he was hungry, tempted by the devil, fasting 40 days, he could have used his power to turn those rocks into bread, but he didn't. He chose that. Um, he humbled himself and gave his life, even the death of the cross, verse 8. That emphasis is mine, I know that, but I think that would be appropriate to have it in the text, even the death of the cross. The death, the Roman cross was the most cruel and inhumane form of capital punishment in their day. It was reserved for slaves and political prisoners. They didn't, this wasn't sentenced on a citizen. Slaves and political crimes crimes that may have threatened their national security, those type of things. Jesus accepted that, gave himself to that, even the death of the cross. <clears throat> and because of that, God exalted him to a point that all people will confess his name and bow the knee to him someday, somehow, either now or later. At judgment. And that judgment day will not be a pretty scene for those who are not prepared. Don't wait till then. Someday, 
all people will confess his name and bow the knee to him. Mark 9, 35 says, And he sat down and called the twelve, and saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, his shame shall be last of all and servant of all. This was something totally new to them, and it is in our culture too. That's not how you get ahead today. You get ahead by working hard and maybe over trampling over others if you have to, elbowing your way through. That's how you, use, that's how you get to the top of the ladder in, in, in the world. And that's what the disciples were trying to do. And I, I'm not going to get into the, to that reading, but prior to that, they had been traveling from point A to point B. And on the way, they were arguing about who were disputing who would be the greatest, thinking in his kingdom. And Jesus asked them about that. And of course, they were too embarrassed to tell him, but he sensed and knew what, the, what it was. And then he brought this up. And if any man desired to be first, the same shall be last. That's another principle in the kingdom of heaven that uh, we need to comprehend and, comprehend and understand. Jesus lived that very well. And it freed his mind in that sense. Because knowing that it was in God's hands. He, Jesus, needed to be true and faithful to, his, to the will of his Father like you and I do. And that really will bring freedom to your mind. <clears throat> Another point, commit to the truth. I don't want to turn to Daniel chapter 3 for a brief reading on that. I think we, most of us are familiar with that story, but I'm going to read a few verses right in the middle of that story. I can't really go through the whole thing. But Daniel 3 is the account of, of um, these Hebrew boys who were um, in the king's palace. And they had been uh, trained and acclimated and taught the culture and the ways of the palace. And now they were put to the test in, in, in Daniel chapter 3, verse uh, 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were called to worship this idol that the king had set up. <clears throat> and they declined. They refused. Uh, let's read uh, Daniel 3, verses 16, just three verses, 16 to 18. And this is after the king had presented them this choice, and they failed, and someone ratted on them and told the king, and then he called them out and asked them. And the very last sentence of verse 15, And who is that God who shall deliver you out of my hands? This is the king questioning them. Verse 16, Shadrach... Meshach and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fire furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto you, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And I think most of us know what happened. They were thrown into the furnace and miraculously spared by Jesus himself, who went in the fire, appeared in the fire with them. <clears throat> they committed to the truth and were free in that sense. Uh, we just read John 8.32, the truth will set you free. How will a lie or an un 
truth put a person under bondage. And Jesus explained that there in John 8. The, the, the scribes and Pharisees refused to believe Jesus for who he was. And they were relying on their uh, connection, being descendants of Abraham. So they were part of the kingdom of God just because of that. But he exposed their hypocrisy many times. The truth will set you free. Um, you know, the truth is found in following Jesus and obeying his teachings. How do we find the truth? John 14 has a couple of interesting verses that I want to read. Um, and I had to think of, we touched a little bit about this in our, in our Sunday school class this morning. Um, speaking of some uh, privileges or rights, if you will, that are granted to the citizens of this kingdom. John 14 gives a little bit on that. Reading in verse 15 to 17, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. This is one of the liberties or privileges that is granted to those who are a part of his kingdom. The Spirit of truth, teaching you, guiding you, directing you, and uh, I, that's certainly a privilege that I can't give to you. I can't give to anyone. You need to accept it through Jesus Christ. And we talked about that in our Sunday school. You know, to, to, to some who, who hear the preaching of the gospel, it's like foolishness. It's, it's nonsense. And yet, to the believer, it is truth because the Holy Spirit uh, revealed these truths to us speaks to us through his word and uh, directs our lives. And that is something that, uh, a, 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 a huge blessing, I guess I could say, privilege, liberty, maybe not liberty, but a privilege that we as believers have. Um, this spirit of truth that dwells within us, the spirit of truth that directs us to, the Holy Spirit directs us to the truth. Even 17 calls it the spirit of truth. I like that. Like uh, Daniel's three friends, they committed to the truth, and God spared them. Now, that didn't always happen throughout history. There were many who have given their lives for the truth and were willing to do so. And yet, I still believe that, like they said, we still will be delivered out of your hand, O king. I don't know if they were expecting to be delivered physically. But ultimately, in the end, they knew that they would be delivered from the king's hand one way or another. But God, in his sovereignty, chose in that case to deliver them physically right then and there. And what a great um, testimony that was. What a great example they left to all those. Commit to the truth. The truth will set you free. And then there's fear. Fear. It cripples and paralyzes. I don't know if there's a good answer for this, but is there an opposite of fear? What's the opposite of fear? Anyone care to respond? Faith. Faith? Yeah. Okay. I like that one. Um, 
Jesus speaks a lot about peace in, in uh, addressing fear. Um, like I said, I don't know if there's a right or a wrong answer, but I like to think of things in that way. Faith or peace. Um, I come across a, a quote just recently. I think this had, this was in the context of this pandemic that we're faced with the past year and a half. Some people are so afraid of dying that they're afraid to live. And I think we saw some of that. Um, there was real fear. Um, and there was people who did everything they could to stay healthy, to not get sick. And yet, somehow, some still did. Fear really is powerful. John 16, 33, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you had tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. <clears throat> That's where I get that, that idea, John, of maybe the opposite of fear being peace as well. Um, there's something about being peaceful during a storm that is, is powerful. And even in thinking of this, live for the beyond here and now. And I saw too much of that. We were focused on here and now. Right now, I got to stay healthy. I can't get sick. On and on and on. And I'm going to do this and this to stay healthy and not get sick. And I'm not suggesting we live frivolously and carelessly at the expense of, of uh, you know, peace with our neighbors and community. But there is something beyond here and now. The here and now is really scary and depressing, if that's all you focus on. But again, a quote from Jesus, Peace I leave with you. My, key, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Live beyond the here and now. The here and now is just that. It's just now. This too will pass. Fear will rob you of your freedom. And then a little bit of a, an antidote for that. We need a daily cleansing. You know, Scripture tells us several, several places, love not the world. <clears throat> because that's where a person feeds the lust of the flesh. For all that is in the world, 1 John 2.16, for all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but, it's, but is of the world. And in, in that context, too, the, you know, the law of sowing and reaping is still in effect. Um, you know, the things that, if you allow yourself to indulge in these things, there's often consequences or a side effect, a reaping that comes from that. Feast on the bread of life. Jesus said, John 15, 3, Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. And Jesus spoke through his word. We have it right here. And that is for us to dwell on, to read, to study, to meditate on. Another thought for daily cleansing, clean out this root of bitterness. 
Turn to James chapter 4. We want to read a few verses from there. James addresses, of course, we know James as being a very practical book. He addresses the hard subjects that we don't like to talk about. He's not scared of that. James 4, I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. Speaking of cleaning out that root of bitterness. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust, that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Thinking back to that little lesson that Jesus gave his disciples about the first being last and the last being first, James is elaborating on that. <clears throat> um, you know, um, just read a few verses in Hebrews 12, um, speaking of grace, verses 14 and 15. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligent, lest any man fail by the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. You know, last summer I took down a big tree in my yard, and it was dead, so it had to come down before branches kept falling down. You know, it was kind of fun, renting a lift and getting way up high and clipping those limbs down from the top down. And even the whole stump, and this thing was huge, 42 inches across the bottom, barely reach it with my 20-inch saw. But we got it. So that was kind of the fun part. But now I got this stump and this great big mass of roots that's underground somehow, somewhere, and it really does dominate the yard. But I haven't quite decided how to take the roots out. How do you dig it out besides grind it out? Or dig it out? I'd have to hire Dwight or someone with a big machine to do that. I haven't done that yet. It doesn't really bother me, but it, is do it does kind of dominate that side of the yard. That's the hard part, digging out the roots and taking out the stump. And I think that's the picture that James is, is uh, giving us here. Um, you know, that root, it, it grows. And I've seen quite a few times in um, different areas where we hunt, a, a big tree comes over and here comes this root ball and this thing might be eight feet tall sometimes. They just come out of the ground and here's this great big cluster of roots. They're huge. Taking out roots, uprooting something, of course, obviously the bigger the plant or the tree, the more difficult it is. But that's tough. And I think the, the, the concept here, the thought is don't let it get that big and that deep that it's so difficult to clean out. But I like what, what he says here in, in verse 6 of James chapter 4. It says he giveth more grace. Uh, God's grace is able, but sometimes man fails to take hold of the grace of God. He gives more grace. How much is more? 
Where do we start? You know, I, if I give you a piece of gum and you want more, I might give you another piece. But, you know, that established the baseline. I gave you a piece and you want more, that's probably where I'd start. Might give you another piece if I'm generous. But God, he, he just says he gives more grace. How much is more? Where do we start? Where does he start? What unit of measure does he use? He doesn't really have a unit of measure. He doesn't really have a minimum amount. There is no baseline. That's, it just, it's more. And I think the thought is just simply, it's enough. If you have a root of bitterness that needs to be dug out, uprooted, God has enough. And if you need more, he'll give you more. I like that thought. I really like that thought when I think of um, our freedom in getting root, rid of that root of bitterness. James 4, 7, and 8, I'd like to just kind of close with that as we, uh, as we think of that. And again, this goes back to Jesus' teaching that he taught his disciples on the way. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw an eye to God, and he will draw an eye to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. It takes effort on our part. Notice verse 8. Draw an eye to God, and he will draw an eye to you. He doesn't usually chase us down. It takes effort on, on my part. Draw an eye to God, and he will draw nigh to me. And I, I, I like that thought as we think of that. Certainly it is, there is grace available for us, but too many times we, we kind of fail to accept it or grab it or lay hold on it. And I'd like to, again, leave this with us, this, the path to freedom. I know there's other areas that we could have touched on, but I think our freedom as believers certainly goes beyond what we see right here. Yes, there was a, a victory 245 years ago for our country, and that's what the country celebrates today. But ours goes way beyond, back way beyond that, and will last even beyond whatever the life of our country is. This will go on forever. So I'd like to challenge us with that and uh, challenge us to this path to freedom. Let's kneel as we pray. Lord, we thank you for the freedom that we can have through Jesus Christ. Thank you for the freedom that our country is celebrating, and thank you for your blessings on us as a nation. Thank you, too, for the blessings of freedom that you give us as believers, those who are part of your kingdom, those who have pledged allegiance to your kingdom, your teachings, and have committed themselves to follow your teachings. We thank you for this freedom that we can have, especially the, the privilege of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, this spirit of truth who guides us and teaches us these truths. Thank you, too, for the freedom that we can have in our minds. Father, our, as our minds are directed toward you and committed to your Holy Spirit, we pray that that you would continue to direct us in this way. Thank you, too, for 
the truth that we have from your word. You have spoken your word, you have given it to us, and it is printed here before us. Your word is truth. That also brings liberty. Father, give us victory over the fear that is all around us, the fear that is portrayed around us. Father, we thank you that our uh, lives are not dictated and governed by fear, but by the peace that only you can give. And so we pray your continued blessing on us as we go from here. Might we be able to live in a way to be an example to those around us, a living testimony of the peace that you can, that only you can give in midst of the fear that is all around us. So we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you again for your...